Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. Jihadi White is not going to be on this episode of the podcast, so if you're listening only for Jihadi, I am sorry to disappoint you. Uh, I just grabbed my buddy Eric Aronson. He's going to come on here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the latest roster moves that the Wizards have made. If you're not paying attention, uh, Tommy Shepard has been very active lately. Uh, We were a little critical of him as a fan base, I would say, at least on whole, of the lack of moves at the trade deadline. Well, hold on to your butts, because Tommy has been... uh, making moves left and right here over the last couple of days. And, you know, we're just going to break those down. They're not like earth shaking needle movers. In, in my opinion, they're guys that I like for the most part here. Uh, it's a little exhausting. If you listen to this podcast, you probably know I do some writing for bolts forever. I wrote up all those additions uh, that they've made over the last couple of days. And most of the responses, even from people who presumably read the article were who in reaction to uh, the people they, they added, because they're not really big names. Just because you haven't heard of somebody doesn't mean that they're not good. I would imagine that the vast majority of people listening to this did not know who Jordan Goodwin was before he was, you know, a member of this team and, and being productive. So uh, let's let's calm ourselves a little and give these guys an opportunity to see if they can be impact players. I think this team's done pretty well finding guys on the fringes that at least have some potential. And whether they work out or not, it's just about timing and fit and opportunity and all that stuff. So we'll uh, we'll get into all that. But also Eric sent me a text or a message the other day about just sort of the Wizards fan experience this year. And and I kind of want to get into that with him a little bit and just how this team's been like kind of hard to get like super excited for, at least consistently excited for, and, and just what that means for, for us as fans over the course of the season. I think it'll be a relatable conversation. So hope you all like that. And uh, Jihadi will be back on Tuesday. Just wanted to do this to, to cover these moves really quickly. And uh, I know Eric's been following this stuff and we've been trying to get this done for a long time. Eric's also the one who hooked us up with our stateside vodka sponsorship. So we want to talk about that a little bit too. And, uh, you know, sometimes this team drives you to drink. So we're going to give you some options to make that a little more uh, palatable. Uh, as always, we're brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, with that, I'm going to bring on Eric. He's done sports radio for a bunch of years. He coaches uh, youth basketball right now. He's a much smarter X's and O's basketball mind than I am, so I think you're going to find him insightful and should just be a good conversation about just sort of uh, what life is like as a Wizards fan these days. So hope you guys enjoy, and uh, let's get to that. All right, I'm pleased to welcome in my guy, Eric Aronson. Eric, the first thing I ask every new guest on the show or first-time guest on the show, what is the hooper that your own game sort of most resembles, and you get bonus points if you pick a Wizard? Well, Matt, thanks for having me here. Uh, You know, I listen to the podcast all the time, so... I've had a little bit of time knowing, preparing for this question since I knew I was going to be on. (laughs) You know, like old school hoopers, you know, I I like to think of myself kind of as that like Anthony Mason, you know, kind of like a point forward that's not scared (laughs) to throw the weight around and, you know, uh, muscle some people up. I I think today kind of the closest comparison might be like a Grant Williams to my game. Like, you know, love to play defense. I always pride myself on the defense. If I'm open in the corner for a three, I'll take it, but I'm not forcing shots. Sure. Just kind of like that consummate role player, that connective tissue. Uh, maybe a little Denny, okay. but, uh, you know, uh, we both can work on our left hand. I guess we could say that. <laughs> and being able to finish better at the rim. My my athleticism isn't quite there. I, I am literally coming off a, a pickup game last night where I smoked like two point blank layups that would have won us a game. So I could definitely relate to that. I felt Denny's pain. Uh, it, it happens to the best and the worst of us. Uh, but hey, being a Grant Williams is awesome, man. That's a $20 million a, player, a year of player next year, I think. So that's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, being a role player on a good team, I think that that's kind of like where I, you know, that would be my thing. I'm definitely not uh, the Tatum or the Jalen Brown or or anything like that, but I can I can fill some gaps. I love that. Uh, per- perfect segue here, and I think some of the things we wanted to talk about role players. The Wizards are making some kind of fringe moves here. I just let's maybe start with the first one here. Uh, the person who was going out the door to make room for for some of these potential pieces. The Wizards finally waived Vernon Carey. This is something that Wizards fans have been talking about all year. You've got this guy on the bench. Like, we're starting our two centers now, essentially. Taj Gibson and Anthony Gill are the first two bigs, and I'm air quoting, you know, off the bench, especially with Gill. I think he's better suited as like a 4-3 than a 5-4, but, you know, they're they're kind of making the best of what they have. And and Carey just couldn't seem to ever, like, find a role or, or a place in this lineup. And this is a guy that was tearing up the G League. So I think that's been hard for fans to reconcile. Like, this guy puts up numbers at that level, but we won't even give him a try at this level. Like, what, what do you make of just sort of the overall Vernon Carey experience? Why now, I guess? Where are you at with Carey? I mean, I remember watching Carey when he was uh, a senior in high school, and the guy was just a monster going mm-hmm. into Duke, and there was – you know, tons of hype about him, but he was like that throwback player, right? He was like, throw it to him in the block. And obviously like modern NBA bigs, we want them to stretch it out. Um, I mean, with the Wizards, you would think that with the big lineup that they have with Porzingis and Gafford having, you know, somebody in the carry type of mold um, to kind of be a third big, because let's be honest, like, I mean, Taj is nice, and we like him as, like, sure. as Drew Gooden would say, a clapping five on the bench, but we don't really want him on the court. And, you know, you would have thought that they would have made try to make that work more than they did. And they never really tried to. Um, the timing of cutting him is is curious as well. I mean, you do have a guy that's, what, 22 years old and tearing up the G League at 22 points. I mean, yeah. what more can you ask for? So it is curious that they just cut bait with him, um, you know, at this juncture in the season with just twenty some odd games left. Um, I know he went out last week, last Saturday, with a knee injury. My initial thoughts was maybe there's something longer term with that, and that he wasn't going to be back, and maybe they've got a wink, wink deal where they could bring him back in the off season. But I don't know. I don't know. I I just would have thought throughout the season, as well as he was playing for the go-go, that you would have given him more than four minutes here against, you know, the, the Rockets or whatever it would have been. He would have had a – I just thought he would have had a little more of an opportunity to get in front of Taj um, for the long-term betterment of of the team because at this point, obviously, we know what we're getting with Taj. And, and Gil, you know, we root for him as fans because he's been such a great guy on the bench, and we always see him first guy up to congratulate when we watch the team on TV. And he plays really – I mean, the guy plays well when he does get out there. But at He's the trying to time, do the right thing, and yeah. You know, we talk about role players, and this team is just filled with a bunch of, like, you know, end-of-bench-type role players. And Gil is, you know, not a bad guy to have on the end of the bench, but I, I just would have thought that they could have made something, at least try to see what they had more in carry. So it is – it leaves some question marks as to what what caused them to give up at this point in the season. Even good teams seem to find a way to like get their young guys like a few opportunities, like real opportunities. Like you said, not the four minutes at the end of this game against you know a team that we're up by twenty against or whatever. Like it, it just that's not real minutes. You're playing all their end of bench guys. You're not playing with any starters. Like there's been enough opportunities where Gafford's missed a game or Porzingis has been out for two weeks that you could have found somewhere in there to give Carey a 15 minute uh, stretch somewhere just to see if he does anything. And it's not going to cost you a game. Like he's not so bad that like they're going to pick on him. And if they do, then you take him out. But like, we never saw Hey, Carey's coming in midway through the second quarter here. Like let's give him, you know, until the under four minute timeout to just see if he does anything. Yeah. I mean, and and there's been enough 20 point leads and 20 point deficits (laughs) throughout this season where you, you would have thought like one way or another, I mean, that's always the thing is even when they're up or, or down, like, I mean, they don't empty the bench till the final two minutes. And that's always been surprising to me is like, why not bring the guys in a little earlier? The game's decided. Mm-hmm. Um, give them a chance. Like the last two minutes, you're just dribbling the shot clock out and handing the ball off. So, I mean, what's what's even the point of that, you know, with, with that? I had somebody ask me, like, why they don't think Vernon Carey's game would translate. And I said, you know, essentially, like, you need a guy to either stretch the floor at this point on offense or on defense, he has to be either switchable or a rim protector. 
if you're two of those three things, you're probably going to latch onto a team somewhere. And Carey's like been a better shooter this year. I still don't know that they trust him as sort of a stretch big. And he's just not quick enough to move around the perimeter if he has to switch. And he's not really a rim protector. So I think the defensive stuff is probably the issue. And and we'll segue here in a second into the guy that basically are bringing in to fill that role for the go-go. But if you're Carey, it's like, Okay, that's why we're telling you you're not going to work out. But is Taj Gibson a floor spacer? Is Taj Gibson really a rim protector at this point? Like their rim protection numbers with Taj are actually decent, but I don't think he's deterring any team. Like no one's afraid to try Taj Gibson at the rim at this point. No one's afraid to try Anthony Gill at the rim at this point. If the guys aren't going to be particularly good, at least if someone like you've got someone young like Carey, like maybe there's an opportunity they get better. That's the thing that frustrates me is like it seems very short-sighted. Like not that Carey's ever going to be like a starting big in the NBA or something, but if you could have him cheaply be like your eighth, ninth, 10th man, that seems worth finding out if he can at least do that before, before you move on here. I mean, I feel like that, you know, Wizards fans, we kind of took notice to the Lakers a little bit more this season because they had so many of the guys that, you know, Mm. couldn't find a role in Washington, but then we get to see them be successful. And it's not just the Lakers this year. We see it often. And, and I'm sure the Vernon Carey Jr. lore will live on in bullets forever in the message boards. And, you know, people people will always keep track of those things. But I think it's interesting because you got to have the opportunity. I think the Wizards do a poor job of putting people in the right opportunities and roles to be successful. Yep. And then we watch them go on to other teams. And you see what a Thomas Bryant can do. You see what a Troy Brown Jr. And obviously none of these guys are all-stars and they're not franchise-type players. Yeah, serviceable but, NBA players, though, at least. You know, we've. I mean, if you look at players that have won championship rings uh so many of them have have come through cap one arena uh not long before they they end up putting on that championship hardware so you just have to wonder sometimes why it can't work for us but we see it be successful every year a former wizard is uh is winning a championship i think those teams typically have better players and they don't rely on these guys to be anything more than exactly what they're capable of being Like Thomas Bryant, just shoot threes and run the court really hard next to LeBron. Like, that's it. They don't need anything more from him. Whereas the Wizards, the guys, the top end guys just aren't good enough. So they need the role players to do more. And I think that stretches, uh, you know, their abilities. But you mentioned the carry injury. I had heard that it's not overly serious. I don't really know what that means, that maybe it's another week, maybe it's another two weeks. But I don't think this was a thing that was like, a season ending injury where they said like, oh, we have to get rid of Carey because he's definitely not going to help. It's not like you were playing him anyway. Um, so I'll, I'll be curious to see if he ends up maybe back on the go-go uh, with, you know, a, a standard G League contract for the rest of the year or if another team makes a move on him. Uh, this is a separate deal. They did not have to cut Carey to do this, but I think this is at least the spiritual successor for him on the go-go. The Wizards added Jay Huff. Uh, his former Virginia center. He's been playing for the South Bay Lakers, the Lakers affiliate this year. He's on a two-way contract. So again, don't have to cut carry to make room for Huff, but I think they're looking for Huff to serve that kind of similar role. He played last night for the go-go against the G League Ignite team. He's big. He's like over seven feet tall. He blocks shots. He's not particularly mobile or quick, but he's just like a big ass dude to have to shoot over. And he shoots it at a reasonable enough clip where I think they feel a little more comfortable uh, that his shooting is real. Is this meaningful to you in any way, Eric? Like, do you care that they've added Jay Huff? Do you expect to see him on the court at any point in time? He is a bigger body, so maybe that's what they thought, is they could give him a few minutes to eat up uh, five fouls on Embiid or somebody like that. I mean, no. I mean, you know, Jay Huff, uh, you know, we're in March now. We're in the playoff, play-in, push, whatever we want to call it. Uh, didn't they have him bring him in after the draft summer league something like that he had an exhibit 10 deal and then they like immediately punted and and he left to go take a two-way with the lakers yeah so i mean i think there's you know that familiarity um it always seems like i mean grunfeld used to always like to trade for players after he brought him in just having seen the guy or met the guy interviewed so i guess they they you know they like something about him i mean he's seven feet he can stretch the floor he can rebound a little bit the the go-go are you know, in a tight race in that little playoff picture right now. So if they need a big man, I mean, the two-way contract aspect, I mean, I don't I don't expect to see Jay Huff, uh, you know, playing playing for the Wizards anytime soon. That would, that would be bad. 
It's uh, it, it'll be interesting. It'll say a lot about Vernon Carey if we see Jay Huff play NBA minutes over the next couple of weeks. Like that, that says all you need to know that Carey couldn't get in in a year and a half. But for Huff, he's he's bigger. He's probably a better rim protector. He shoots it a little better. I, I do think I could see a role where he eventually ends up the last guy on the bench, a Luke Cornett or somebody uh, for for Boston. You know, one of those kind of guys. Uh, poor, but, poor Mike Muscala. Yeah, exactly. But like. But nothing more than that, probably at this point. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to be pleasantly surprised by that. Uh, the other move here, which is uh, sort of related, I guess, uh, the Wizards have added Jamari Bouye, uh, who I've been very sort of um, pleased to see join the team, and as a guy I was campaigning for during the draft cycle, uh, they joined him or they signed him out of the uh, Sioux Falls Sky Force, the Miami Heat's G League team. I think this is a smart move to just look at whoever is producing well for the Heat's minor league system and try to immediately steal them. He was good in a couple games for the Heat this year. He had like 10, 3, and 3 against the Nuggets and like helped them, um, you know, actually win a game against Denver. So this is a guy I'm most excited about of sort of the fringe moves they've made here. I I think this is a guy that's like actually an NBA player and the Heat find these kinds of guys. So if we can't find them, we should try to steal them from the Heat because they can only take so many of these kind of, um, you know, end of bench type guys. 100% agree. Anything that might we can get from the Heat would be great for this franchise. I think, you know, when we look at like franchises and how they're run and what they do, I mean, how can you not put the Heat up as one of the best run? Uh, the way they're able to find talent, plug it in, fill the gaps with those undrafted players. I'm excited for him. Um, you know, back with the Heat, I, I a little off topic, but like when they got rid of Brooks, I, I wanted them to bring in Chris Quinn, uh, yeah, one same. of the lead assistants. Like I think that that guy's got a a real NBA head coaching potential future in front of him. You know, point guard under Mike Bray at Notre Dame, been sitting with Spo and and uh, Pat Riley with the Heat for several years. But no, I mean, I think when you talk about, uh, you know, I like athleticism. And length, and we don't uh, see much I of think, that around here. And I think that's why, Matt, we probably like it so much is yeah. because it's just been void on the roster for so so long. Uh, I think that's what's intriguing to me with Quentin Jackson is his mm-hmm. athleticism, and if you put uh, Jamari in a backcourt, you know now all of a sudden you got some some balance, you got some length. Um, we see it when we watch the Wizards games on, on most every team versus you know with the teams that they're playing, but. We don't see it on, on the Wizards team. So I I like the move. I'm willing to see what he can do. I think Dunn leaving opens up an opportunity. Uh, like I said, they are kind of in a playoff hunt right now. And, you know, between him and maybe you give him a shot with, with Morris coming out, see what he can do. I, I'm excited about it. I like it. It's, it's, a, it's a dart throw, but it's a good dart throw. Bingo, right? Like these are the kinds of guys you want to take chances on that have upside, that have potential. If he turns into like a good win level player for us at some point, like it actually wouldn't shock me. And I swear I'm not just being a homer to try to defend, uh, you know, my pre-draft selection here. But this is a guy that measured at like six one and three quarters in shoes, but has a six eight, six nine wingspan. Freak athlete. I've heard a lot of people say like, well, why would we add another point guard? Well, I think that's probably a bad sign that Monte is probably out for a while. We saw this earlier in the year with the Delon injury. They gave Devin Dotson a chance. I think this was essentially means that they've kind of given up on Dotson, which Dotson is fast as shit, but can't shoot it. He's six feet tall. Like he's not overly athletic. I I think that's, that's not the kind of guys I want to see them take chances on. Uh, Bouye is averaging 17 and a half points, five rebounds, four assists, two turnovers because he does play a little fast and a little out of control sometimes, Uh, but about two steals. Like that was, or sorry, those are just college statistics. Um, I have his G League stats here. Sorry, 17 points, six rebounds, six assists, 1.9 turnovers, 1.7 steals. So almost the identical numbers he put up in college, uh, he's putting up in the G League. The only difference is he's shooting it a little less. He was about a 37% uh, percent three-point shooter at San Francisco, shooting about 31% this year. I think a lot of that is quality of shots. It's it's uh, the guy that gets caught with the grenade a lot on a G League team that's not running like the most cohesive offense. And people have pointed out the free throw shooting's not very good. I would remind them that in the G League for the first um, 46 minutes of the game, guys only shoot one free throw. And that seems to kill a lot of good free throw shooters numbers. Like Jordan Shackle even struggled a little bit, and he was a great college free throw shooter. 
it's just hard to get in a rhythm when you only get one shot every, you know, 10 minutes at the line or something like that. So I wouldn't read too much into those, but to Eric's point, he's super athletic. He's really long. He's going to try to defend people and everybody's looking for their, you know, their next Jose Alvarado. I think this is the kind of guy you take a shot on that he could do that and just let him pick up 94 feet and just be a pest. We need that. Yeah. So that brings up a good point when you bring up the Jose Alvarado comp, because we've seen, I mean, Goodwin, he wants to be this team's version of, of Jose. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the last couple of games, you see him picking up some some bad fouls far away from the basket. Yeah. And I think the thing with Goodwin that we forget is that, like, at the, at the go-go, he was their offensive or yeah. amongst their offensive sparks, catapults there. Um, here at the NBA level, he's fitted more as the defensive type of guy. But, you know, there, there's more offense there. But, yeah, I mean, we all want that backup point guard that can be feisty, that can create, uh, you know, turnovers. I think that's what's been so nice about DeLon this season is mm-hmm. that, you know, his role, he comes in. And again, like, we talk about wanting length and athleticism, but we're also really excited when we see somebody play defense on this team and, and, and create some steals and create some fast break opportunities. And we just haven't seen a ton of that. So a guy that's quick and bouye that's long, uh, maybe with an opportunity with this Morris uh, injury. And, and, you know, we've kind of seen Goodwin take more minutes of the backup. Kendrick Nunn has kind of become the the fifth guard, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, his production has been inconsistent. So maybe there's an opportunity. I'm all about seeing what you got because, I mean, with that 56 pick, you like Bouye. They ended up with Yannick Sosa. Uh, how's he doing? Uh, he's not playing out, this yeah, year. He has yeah, been injured, one game. But, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. I think it was like what when I checked on it, it was it was one game and, and two minutes. And uh, so at least, you know, credit to, you know, finding some players, uh, undrafted players and taking a page, getting back to the Miami Heat. Like that's what's made them successful. There's a lot of really good talent out there. The G League is not what the D League was when it mm-hmm. first started. Um so I like that the Wizards are kind of being aggressive into that. And maybe it's because they know they're going to have to find some cheap players next year to fill some gaps. I like Bouye. I have campaigned for uh, my guy, John Elmore, at a Marshall, a bunch. He's Conference USA's all-time leading scorer. Back when Conference USA was a good conference. And uh, the guy is just like a bucket. And he can also be a point guard and run offense if you need him to. So I actually asked John what he thought about playing with Jamari. and. This is like a no bullshit kind of guy. So this isn't just fluff because it's his teammate. But he said, look, he's a point guard with an ability to take over a game in many ways. He has explosive athleticism and playmaking skills in offense and defense. He's a high IQ player with a great feel for the game. And he also just said he's like a really good dude and will fit in and good vibes and not going to be a pain in the ass. Like that's a thing that Tommy Shepard has seemed to care a lot about. So um, I I take that as actual candid feedback from from John and uh, they seem to get along really well. And and shameless plug, Elmore is another guy I've said I would love to see on a two-way here. With Bouye gone and him as the starting point guard, he immediately went for 17-9-9 last night and hit a bunch of threes. So it's like the Heat just have like, you know, 10 deep on their G League team that are guys that have come in. They had Jamal Kane play a bunch of games this year. So like if if I'm our entire G League staff, I'm just following like the Sioux Falls Skyforce around and seeing like who we can you know, steal off of them. But I don't know. Uh Eric, I'm I'm excited about this move, and I think that's a good segue here into the other thing we wanted to talk about. Just what Wizards fandom is that the guy that probably will not play on a 10-day contract is the thing I'm most excited about with this team at the moment. Uh, you had messaged me this beforehand, just sort of about how it's hard to like really get like a good feel for this team because they've been so up and down. And I think that's something super relatable. So I don't know if you want to just expand on that a little bit for folks. I think um People will be nodding along as you go here. I think the interesting thing is that we we spent the first part of our conversation talking about Vernon Carey, right? <laughs> Which, you know, like it's just yeah. like such a Wizards thing that's well on the guy that we cut, right? That never really did anything, but we saw like a little glimmer of hope. And then and then we get into Jay Huff, who they bring in on a 10-day. Then we talk about, you know, the new two-way. And it's like we forget, like at the same time, the team is – they're solidly right now kind of in the play-in um but it's just hard like you know you go out of the all-star break you know after the trade deadline obviously that was underwhelming um 
you know, trading Rui and getting back none and, you know, a few second round picks, which is, you know, as Wizards fans were, we, you know, it's, it's hard to get excited about those picks. And they're in it, and then they come out and they lay eggs, and it looks terrible. And then they come back, and and at that point, it's like, all right, let's look at draft position. Like, you know, Porzingis is out. Potentially, if he misses a few games, they're they're back in, you know, amongst the top five or six as far as lottery odds, and and maybe that, there's some intrigue there because of the the players that are going to be available in the draft this year. And it's not just one; it's not just two. I mean, I really think that this draft is a is a pretty solid top 10 overall. And even if the Wizards were to sit at 10, you know, which is a familiar position for them, I think this year they'd be getting a guy that, you know, in drafts past would have gone well inside the top five. Yeah, 10 Um, this year is definitely better than 10 next year. Sorry, Johnny, (laughs) I feel bad saying that, but it's it's like a no-brainer. Yeah, 10 this year, much better than 10 last year. And what looks like a weak draft coming up next year. So like, I mean, this is an opportunity for me as a long-term, long-time suffering bullet slash Wizards fan. I mean, it's just hard to get excited about this team. You see, I like Porzingis. I think that, you know, I think being able to get Porzingis and I think that this year, you would, if you would have said that Porzingis has stayed as healthy as he has and produced as well as he had, I would have said this team is probably a top a top six seed because you just don't think that you're going to get a healthy Porzingis, but you know what a healthy Porzingis can do. And I mean, whether that's a credit to the, you know, it's weird to say credit to the Wizards training staff and strength and conditioning coaches or Porzingis at this time in his career to know his body. Um, I mean, I think he's a good player. I mean, Brad, obviously, you know, nobody thinks that he's worth the money that the Wizards gave him. It's it's obviously very frustrating to know that they gave him the way they negotiated that contract where it seems like they negotiated against themselves. Or didn't even really that. negotiate. If, if you just offer everything right away, there's really nothing left to say at that point. I mean, to me, I think the biggest frustrations were you know, coming in early in the season, you saw Tommy go on and say that that move wasn't necessarily about Brad, but it was about showing the league how they take care of their own, um, which is scary because we're on the verge of probably doing that with Kuzma. It's right? come, for come here and get paid. <laughs> like that's, that's and, all that is. Yeah, and we have to assume the future, you know, the future of Kuzma didn't get traded. I thought that this was a perfect opportunity. It is like a Brad 2.0 situation is where you got a guy that's got a value. We can trade him at his peak. They didn't. There's obviously an agreement behind the scenes that I'm assuming that says that they're going to bring him back at a high number. That's the only thing you can think of, because when you watch Kuzma play recently, if I'm his agent, if I'm him going into a free agent year, those efficiency numbers are terrible. And and you would think that if I'm looking for 25 mil a season, I mean, I can't be shooting 10 for 24. I can't be shooting eight for 23. Like, again, if I'm his agent, like, you know, Kuzma's shooting almost eight threes a game. He's in the top 20 for volume of threes attempted, but 19th in, in percentage made. It's hard if I'm his agent and I'm trying to get from that 18 mil to that 25 mil, and you got a guy that's shooting 31, 32%. Um, it, it, you know, also, uh, timing-wise, the Nets just came back on uh, on Celtics last night from 28 points, and you see a guy like Bridges, and he goes for 38 points on 20. And, and honestly, his efficiency was I, – I think he had around 34 points on 15 or 16 attempts, and maybe he missed a few down the stretch that messed with those numbers. But you look at a guy like that and be like, wow, if you could put a super efficient guy in between Brad and, and KP, that's something. But – you know, Kuzma, yes, he one out of every five, he makes a jaw drop. You know, you need a guy that can take a shot when the shot clock's winding down, but you also don't need a guy that's going to jack crazy shots when there's 16 seconds left on the shot clock. And I think that's the kind of where we all are with, uh, with Kuzma right now is, yeah, there's talent. Yeah, we've needed a big wing that can create his own shots, but are we are we kind of forcing a, a square into a circle hole by saying that this is the guy and just because we have him now, we have to overpay him to keep him. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly where I'm at. Like everybody who listens to this knows I've been like a, a Coos Homer or at the very least a Coos appreciator, you know, like it, it's, it's a guy I enjoy watching play, but also one of my favorite players of all time was Antoine Walker for the Celtics. So it's like, 
Kuz is like the spiritual successor to Antoine Walker. Like never met a bad shot he didn't like. They ask him why he takes so many threes. He says, because there aren't any fours. Like, I think he has that mindset. I, I also sort of appreciate sometimes that even a guy in a contract year, he's not like afraid to take a bad shot. And sometimes the team just needs somebody to get the ball on the rim. So people like Denny and Gafford and Porzingis can try to go get it. And the rest of them can't create a shot. So like, I don't necessarily like blame him for all of those things. And I actually kind of appreciate that he's not like, well, I can't shoot this one because I can't hurt my percentage. Like that shit happens in the NBA where guys won't take the grenade because they take so few threes, they can't afford to tank their percentage. Like I'm less worried about the number. Like if he's 33 versus 36, like that doesn't mean that much to me uh, because teams guard him like he can make them. It's when he's, you're, you know, to your point, six of 19 for the game or whatever, and they're all bad shots. Like, I, you know, like teams, teams aren't going to guard you if you're taking like a step back fadeaway, like, you know, with, with 15 seconds on the shot clock left. Like that, that's the shit that they need to like corral. And I still think a really good point guard would help them do that. And Kuzma has been very good at making tough shots all season. But he gets very few easy shots. Nobody else manufactures a look for him. And I think that would be that would be a real game changer to see what he looks like back in that kind of closer to the Laker context, like a little bit of both. He can create, but, you know, nobody's going to do the LeBron thing and get him an easy look here. Uh, and, and the other thing you mentioned here before we talked was just the notion of two having two solid point guards. And I think that's really important. It's, to me, the football analogy is like if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And that's kind of how I feel about the point guard situation here. Like I like Monte in a vacuum. I really like DeLon, like Jordan Goodwin, but none of those guys are like full-time starting point guards to me. Uh, I guess, am I crazy here to think that like that would be the biggest needle mover for this particular group as somebody to like come in and just like really create organic, like easy offense for people? I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, the point guard is kind of like a the quarterback of, you know, yeah. And DC seems to be a problem, ongoing problem in, yep. for, for both teams. Yep. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a point guard league. Like I was saying to you before that, you know, in the NBA now, it's point guard and big wings. And I mm. think that, you know, I do like Kuzma. I think that Kuzma brings a lot of good stuff to this team. Um, I, I like that he's not scared of the moment. I, I like that he seems to be willing to work with his teammates and seems to be a, a really good locker room presence. And, you know, like, the other stuff that Kuzma gives us, let, let's be honest, like Kuzma wears a whatever outfit to the game um, that gets put on social media. Mm. That's literally the only time that the Washington Wizards ever get any sort of national recognition because, I mean, they were one of three teams that had nothing in the all-star game. And it seems like there's a thousand different competitions where they're including all these people. So Kuzma is the only guy that gives us any sort of national recognition. The pink sweater what, is probably the biggest story in the Wizards history since the Gilbert Arenas locker room thing with the gun. I mean, like that's the most national coverage we've gotten. Yeah. I mean, the which one do you like better, the pink sweater or the uh, the crochet uh, mask that was also into a scarf look with the no shirt and showing the tats? My favorite one was the black parkas all stitched together. Um, like yes. he's wearing like 12 coats at the same time. I, I don't know why, but I found that particularly entertaining. Yeah. You would just think about how tough that would be to drive in, right? <laughs> like, you know, he was kind yeah. of like in one of those bubble balls that people play yeah. soccer in, but yeah, would it be great to have a, a, a real point guard in this league? that can attack, that can create open shots. Definitely. You know, and, and going back, I'm, I'm a draft guy. So like, I mean, gosh, like a guy like Scoot. How amazing would that be? And what what could that do to this franchise? And even if you re-sign KP and, you, you know, Kuz and you add a legit guy like that, that's a, you know, it's a real dynamic player at a at a premium position. Um, I like Morris. Morris is a, is a real nice backup point guard. Yeah, I like DeLon Wright. He's yeah. a real nice backup point guard. Are any of them going to lead this team in the playoffs when they get matched up against you know, the Celtics or the Bucks, and you got to go up against a Marcus Smart or a Drew Holiday or a James Harden or, mm -hmm. you know, any of these guys. It's like, no, obviously, I think the, the biggest weakness on this team is that they lack that dynamic, you know, point guard. And if they had that, that opens it up for Brad, that opens it up for Kuz, that opens it up for KP, that gives lob attempts for, you know, Daniel to be, uh, you know, that, that lob threat that he can be and has proven. Uh, I mean, that's his... 
Gafford at the rim. That was one of the good things that, that Westbrook was able to to bring out of him. And you know, Monte is a really good player. I, mm-hmm. I think Monte Morris and Delon Wright are very, very good NBA backup point guards. Yeah. And on a playoff team, they would be very valuable assets. And that's why the one thing that I'm kind of curious to see as the summer unfolds is both those guys are on one-year deals. They make less than $10 million, uh, which is pretty you know, reasonable in today's market for, for backup point guards. Yep. Is there a playoff team that's going to want to reach out and say, like, we'll give you, you know, maybe a younger guy that hasn't performed as well and you can take a shot on him and, you know, we need to move on from from one of these point guards because the Wizards need to find somebody that can be the, the true, you know, starting point guard. Maybe there's that opportunity. I think that that Morris and Wright are really good. I just think that you need somebody else that's better than both of them. So one of those guys can be your backup. I think either of those guys could maybe even start spot minutes for like the right team that has all these other like big wing wing creators like Monte on, I don't know, Dallas or something would be really interesting to me. Like, you know, maybe less so with the Kyrie thing, but somebody that could come in and just hit shots and, and spot up next to Luca. Like, that's where he's like most valuable or playing off of Jokic was perfect for him. Honestly, like he'd be really good in Milwaukee, like one of those kinds of teams, but asking him to be the starter here, you know, not everybody is like capable of scaling up. And and I think that's where he's at. Like, you know, maybe the Mavericks were worried that Jalen Brunson wouldn't look as good next to Luca and he couldn't get better than what he is. And, and he's shown that he can like Monte, I think has shown enough this year that he can't like, he's had enough opportunities to really step up. And again, it's really solid. Like, I don't want this to be shit on Monte Day. Like, neither of us are saying, like, he's a bad player. It's just whatever the assist to turnover ratio is, like, if I inbound the ball to you and you take 12 dribbles and you shoot a three, that's an assist in the NBA today. Like, he's not creating easy looks for anybody. And I think that's what people liked so much about John Wall was, you know, it was the rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. He made other guys better. And no one else really since him on this team has made people better. I think Westbrook did for that second half of season. You know, he wasn't making himself better all the time, but I think he actually helped some of these other guys like Gafford look better. And and when you have limited bench players, they need a guy around them that's going to make them better. And that's just the thing that Brad doesn't do consistently enough. Like Brad is really good, but that's not his skill set. Uh, you don't get that ancillary like 10%, you know, boost that, that a really good player gives to his role players. And, you know, Kuzma, I think is actually like best suited as a four and the value he gives you as a versatile four is he can guard some fives and they've been using him a lot recently to guard other teams point guards, which is insane to me. I like, I don't want him chasing Dame. I don't want him chasing Anthony Simons around as like the primary defender. Why do you have these other guys on the roster? Why are you playing DeLon Wright? If you need Kuzma to guard Dame, like it, it just uh, it kind of defeats the purpose to me. And they uh, they just did this off the bench podcast with Kuzma. And he talked about how like they want him to be able to move, you know, through those defensive assignments, one through four and even some fives. And I'm like, OK, it's the, the value you provide is that you can do that. It doesn't mean that we should structure the team so that you're six foot ten and running the offense and guarding other point guards like you're not that kind of player. And I got to think that that plays into efficiency too. Like he's the guy that travels the most on the court in the moment. I don't mean travel like turnover, but like he's the guy who covers the most ground of anyone in terms of distance run on the Wizards right now. And, you know, that's still a lot to ask from a guy that's a somewhat limited player. It's like what you said, putting guys in positions to be successful. And I I don't see how they do that. Like if you put Mikhail Bridges on this team, he's a better player. Are they better? No, because they still have the same holes. Like Mikael Bridges isn't going to make other people around them better. So like if you don't get a point guard that does that, you need a real big wing that can do that. And those guys make super max contracts. So I, I, I just don't really know where they go with this, I guess. And that's why I'm like, I can't get into this team as much as I would like, despite really enjoying the individual pieces. I don't know how you scale up from here. Well, I guess, yeah, that's the question that I was just going to throw your way is, well, how do they, you know, depending on how the season goes, they may or may not have a draft pick in the first round. Um, Depending, you know, most likely they're going to have very limited opportunities of free agency. They don't have, you know, really any desirable trade assets. So (laughs) the skepticism moving forward is, 
how do they get better at that point guard position, which is, you know, a massively important position. That's where the skepticism comes. So it's how can they improve? I think the other thing here too, is the play in has kind of killed them. Like I think it's hurt the league in terms of like a fan interest perspective. It's good for teams because it keeps people relevant. But at a certain point, it's like, okay, how excited can a fan base be about like us fighting for the nine seed at best? And then on other teams, it's like, okay, well, normally we'd be tanking for a lottery pick and I could at least get excited about that. And now you're stuck in that middle ground. Like, I think it's like opened the pool of teams where people are in purgatory a little bit more. And fans start to feel that earlier in the season of just like, I don't know which lane my team is picking. I don't really know how to feel about it. At least you can double down and get excited about a top five pick, you know, at a certain point, if you're a Magic fan or a Spurs fan or whatever, like, you know what you're committed to. This like uncertainty of where the Wizards will end up and what they do with it is just sort of hard to like get excited for. And I think that's part of the reason why why some of us need a friendly uh, adult beverage from time to time to uh, help us just like pass the time and, and just uh, not lose our shit over this team, which again, I think is another professional segue here into the official drink of the Believe in Wishes podcast, uh, stateside vodka and Surfside specifically. Eric, you are the guy to hook that up and make that happen. So for anybody not familiar uh, with the brand and the beverages you guys provide, can you give us a little rundown here of uh, what they're missing out on? Man, what a what a amazing segue that was. I from, feel pretty good about that from, one. I got from tell one you. to the other. Um, yeah, so I remember sitting in the car, um, and you, you know, I listen to your podcast all the time, and so you had said something about uh, high noon and how you hated high noons, and like every fucking that podcast point, advertises for high noon, man. I don't get it. Yeah. So at that point I was like, oh, okay. And I, I just remember being at the next stoplight that I got to, I was like, all right, I got to reach out to Matt. And you and I had, you know, messaged back and forth as, you know, just like Wizards fans and, and whatnot. Um, so when I, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm reaching out. Um, so yeah, so uh, Stateside Vodka, uh, I guess the official beverage of, uh, of the Believe in Wizards podcast. We're super excited to have this partnership and and have the support of Matt and, you know, all the listeners out there that are long-term suffering Wizards fans. So we don't take this, don't hold this against us, but we are a downtown Philadelphia made vodka, um, but all American. So it's a seven year old company uh, out of the Kensington neighborhood in, in downtown Philadelphia. For those that, that know Philly, it's right next to Fishtown. Um, it is the smoothest, best vodka. Um, it's seven times distilled, so that's two times more than the the popular vodka that begins with a, a T and ends with an O. Um, it's gluten-free, kosher certified. The best thing about this vodka is we add extra elements into it that basically in the same 750 milliliter bottle that you buy at your liquor store, it has the same amount of electrolytes as you would find in the 32-ounce Gatorade. So nice. why yeah. is that important? Um, nobody wants to be hungover. Yeah. So hangovers are caused by dehydration. And if you have a vodka that while you're drinking alcohol, that's also naturally hydrating you, um, you can party like a rock star and then wake up and feel great the next day. So we're a vodka company. Uh, from the vodka, uh, a couple of years ago, we, we started coming out with canned beverages. And so we have our, our vodka seltzers. Uh, there's four different flavors in a variety pack. You get two of each. We've got black cherry because obviously everybody loves the black cherry seltzer. Uh, pineapple, which is my favorite of the four different flavors. Uh, we have an orange, which is amazing. It tastes like an orange crush in a can. And then uh, a very unique flavor to us that you're not going to find for for any other seltzers is we have a lemon cucumber mint, um, yeah, that's a good one. which is like, you know, the perfect 80 degree mm -hmm. day drinking you know can. And then from that, we spurned off uh, into something that's really, really exciting. And that's something called Surfside. So Surfside is a hard iced tea. So it uses, it, it uses, you know, it uses our vodka with an iced tea. Um, there are a hundred calories from that original flavor of just iced tea and vodka. This just recently within the last month, we came out with three new flavors. They also come in a variety pack. So you got the original vodka iced tea. Then we did a vodka lemonade. There's a... I destroy the lemonades, man. I, I got like oh. the lemonade one I've been churning through. 
So good. I mean, my, my go-to is the half and half because uh-huh. I can't ever decide between the full yeah. iced tea and the lemonade. So then we have a half and half. So it's a John Daly in a can and a peach tea, which like when you drink the peach tea, I mean, it. It's the flavors are amazing. Here's the best thing about them. There are 100 calories and only two grams of sugar. So anybody that thinks of alcoholic beverages, you think of like twisted tea. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have to drink 12 of ours to get to the sugar content of just one twisted tea. They're non-carbonated, 100, 100 calories. You can just crush these all day. Win or lose when the Wizards are doing whatever. Uh, you, you can drink. You can feel confident. You're drinking a, a top quality, top shelf beverage. And also know that you're going to feel good the next day, no matter of uh, you know what the outcome happens to be. So they're you delicious. You feel bad about the Wizards the next day, but you will not feel bad personally. You won't feel bad personally. You won't feel hungover. And that's the biggest thing is nobody wants to be hungover. So we try to come up with a, a great tasting, super smooth vodka. That's what makes our seltzers and our surf side so good. Uh, from a sports standpoint, we were at Citizens Bank Park. Again, I know this is not going to go over well in the D.C. market, but the Phillies and I'm a Baltimore, D.C. guy. I grew up in Bowie and Crofton, so like I get it. But, you know, company is where the company is. We were at Citizens Bank Park for the World Series. Um, it was the number one selling beverage that, that everybody was buying. Um, it's been amazing in the greater Philadelphia, New Jersey area. And we're super excited to be in the, the D.C., Maryland market. So look at your, you know, look at your liquor stores. They should, they should have stacks there. If they don't ask for stateside vodka, surfside iced teas, um, anywhere where you drink outside. Um, these, these are the go-to beverages. And even if we're drinking inside, cause that's where most of us are watching these wizards games. Um, just know that, you know, not only are you drinking something great, but it's also something, you know, I think the bullets forever, the, the, the wizards community, we are a community. Those that are fans are, yeah, sure. you know, long suffering fans. Um, you know, I know that I've been a long suffering bullets fan. What, what brought me to this team was I saw Bernard King, right? Yeah. So like late eighties, um, I watched my dad had on like HDS or whatever it was. And I'm watching a bullets game. I'm like, who is this guy? And that was love at first sight for me. And that turned me into, you know, Bernard King being my favorite player and then the, the bullets and then, you know, the wizards being my favorite team. And I know that there's so many of us out there in the Bullets Forever community and, and in the Believe in Wizards podcast. So just know that, like, if you do go and, and hopefully you do, you're supporting somebody within your own community. And I think that that's kind of the fun thing about what brought Matt and I together is a podcast community that leads to another type of relationship. And then hopefully everybody just, you know, when you're making that decision, know that that's somebody just like yourself. That's uh, a long suffering fan of this organization. I I say this all the time and I'm sure people like hit the like fast forward button on their podcast app or whatever when I do it. But like, I don't mean to be corny, but we do have like a really cool little community here. And there's something special about like being a fan of a suffering team or a suffering fan base because uh, like only real ones can like put up with that. And like, you've got to be built different to like, like this team for 20, 30, 40, some of you 50 years even. Uh, so it's, uh, it says a lot. And I think that's a really cool angle too, of just like, Hey, you know, this is one of our own. Let's back this up. I'm glad that they're like picking up steam here in the, the, the DMV area, which is awesome. Uh, Eric, I, I think we got some other stuff coming up here for the show that we'd love to partner with you guys on some more. I've mentioned this before. I really want to do like, uh, an outdoor potentially, uh, like three on three tournament or something for the, like the fan base and like donate the proceeds to charity or whatever. And if we had some uh, official beverages, you know, after uh, after the event or something like that, we'd love for it to be uh, Surfside's, especially, you know, on like a 90 degree day outside in like uh, mid-Atlantic humidity. I think that's probably the best way to uh, refresh ourselves after the fact. Yeah, we're, that sounds like fun. I always like the three-on-three basketball tournaments. And, uh, you know, it's always funny to, you know, you and I, you know, interacted before, but we never met face-to-face. And the first time we did, I mean, we talk about that Bullets Wizards community. Um, I mean, we found out that you and I grew up just, uh, you know, like a couple miles apart from each other in the same city. And we went to the same high school. I'm a a few years older than you, but like, we're all kind of the same, you know, we are all going through the same stuff and we find ourselves connected through this team. Um, and then realize how many similarities we actually have beyond just, uh, you know, the, the, the long-term suffering of this organization. A hundred percent. All right, everybody, uh, go check out your local liquor store, get some stateside. 
tell them Eric sent you. Uh, tell them the Believe in Wizards podcast sent you. And uh, that that's pretty cool to keep that going. For those of you, like I, I mentioned this to, to you, Eric, maybe the other day, but I was with some buddies playing basketball after and they're like, oh, what's the stateside thing about? How did you hook up with them? They also do the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast because one of the guys was a Sixers podcast and stuff too. So it's just cool to be like, another thing to link us to even other teams and fan bases and I don't know, sports is the great connector and, and alcohol is a pretty darn good one too. So uh, nice to nice to partner those things up. Yeah, I mean, the fun thing in the Philly last year around this time was when the Ben Simmons ordeal was going on with the Sixers. And um, so when he got traded to Brooklyn, we ran a fun little promotion at the distillery in downtown Philadelphia. So if anybody turned in a Ben Simmons jersey and he wore number 25 for the Sixers, we gave a $25 gift card for people to redeem at our um, at our distillery. It turns out, I mean, that thing went viral and they people were donating uh, signs to us on 95. It was on all the news networks and we ended up getting over 400 jerseys. So, I mean, we are, you know, we're, we're at the Wells Fargo Arena for the Sixers and, and, and for the Flyers. And like I said, we're, we're there with the Phillies and, and we are a big time. We're, we're all sports guys. So any sort of sports things to connect us. And we're obviously happy to be just starting this partnership with you. Love it, man. All right, everybody, you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll happily have Eric back on here anytime he wants to talk a little bit more Wizards. Maybe we'll have a little bit better uh, exciting news to talk about and, and some exciting stuff to celebrate the, the next time we do it. Uh, this has been the Believe in Wizards podcast, and we will check you next time. And we're presented by betonline.ag as well. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.